Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Android Central podcast. My name is Shruti Shaker. I am the managing editor here at Android Central, and I've got my lovely friends and guests with me today. Nick Sutrick. Hello, hello. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, it's Friday morning. We're recording it, and it is. It's 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 not early, but I feel like it's early for it's, me. It's earlier least. than we normally record this. <laughs> yes, but also a day later. So. Yes, that's true. That's true. Uh, I've got Jerry Hildenbrand. Hello, hello. Hey, hey. And I've got Michael Hicks, and you might hear his cat in the background. <laughs> yes, I was going to say it's great to be back, and if you hear whining, that is Blue, and hopefully he will calm down in a bit. He's got the morning zoomies. He's more than welcome to make an appearance on the podcast. We're happy about that. <laughs> okay, so it's been, let me tell you, it's been a busy week, guys. It's everything, everyone feels exhausted. A lot happened this week from almost every single tech company doing their earnings all in one day. It's like they all decided to gang up and you know, make us suffer, <laughs> but it is what it is. And then of course, on Wednesday, Samsung revealed their new phones. They had Samsung Galaxy Unpacked uh, on Wednesday. And I want to start off by talking about that because it was definitely a jam-packed event. Uh, Michael, you actually went to San Francisco. The event was held in San Francisco this year and you got to go to it. You didn't go to the event, but you did go to the pre-briefing and you got to play with the devices. You wrote our hands-on, which was a fantastic hands-on. Okay. So before we get into sort of the hands-on and the nitty gritties, let's do like an overhaul. Like what did you guys think of the event? Boring. (laughs) Stupid. The only thing the event served to do was make the price of the phone more. These people need to say how great their company is. Uh, They spent at least a couple million dollars on that presentation. So every phone costs a buck more now. Thanks, Samsung. That's what we needed. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing too, you know, I, is it too soon to be like launching new phones when we just got a whole bunch of phones last year? I don't know. I, I've oh, no, been... no, no, no. This is very calculated. So the phones are available for sale when millions and millions of people in the United States are getting a tax return. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Actually. Interesting. Well, what'd you guys think? Nick, Michael? I think the uh, Ridley Scott portion was probably unnecessary. (laughs) You know, and like, uh, yeah, see, when I watched that, I think the first thing I thought of was Apple because, you know, Apple is the one that does the big productions. They work with the um, big directors to promote their phones like look how awesome our phone is for filming and they did it with Ridley Scott I just was like oh I didn't know Samsung was going to do that yes exactly and it's like okay I mean this is cute I guess it kind of proves a bit of a point right that uh, these are mostly good enough to make decent looking movies especially when you have um, at least three thousand dollars worth of uh, gimbals and other types of camera rigs, but um, I can pretty much guarantee you, you will not be watching a movie in theaters filmed on a phone. Yeah, maybe like the next Blair Witch. Okay, I literally do not understand. I, I don't understand why companies are pushing for that so much. Like it literally doesn't make sense to me. 
they're targeting young folks who want to do their own like amateur filmmaking and should they buy an iphone for that or a samsung phone or maybe a pixel but that's what the whole focus on being you know just as good as ridley scott and quality comes from is that i think i i looked into the price of the uh i i think it was japanese filmmaker had a a thing on rails that looked like some sort of railroad car with the phone mounted in it. That's almost $350,000 for that. Dang. That's what makes the the shot look steady, not the Galaxy S23 Ultra. It's 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 cute, I guess, but like it it makes for it makes for an impressive presentation. I guess, but I'm let's stop saying it's cute. They're lying. Apple, Google, <laughs> Samsung are lying to us saying you could film a feature length film. You could, but it would suck. And, yeah. and everyone would immediately know. Like, I'll tell you what. Okay. So right in the beginning of the presentation, when they were starting to do that, they said this entire presentation was filmed using S23 Ultras. And I'll tell you what, all of the like little interviews and stuff they did with people, every one of those looked like it was filmed on a phone. It had that, that, you know, very Crushed telltale yeah. over sharpening. The contrast wasn't great. Like it was obviously filmed on a little, you know, half inch phone sensor, which, you know, I mean, whatever. It, it, it looks better than previous generations. It, I think the manufacturers all around are pretty consistent with this year's phones are typically at least marginally better than last year's in terms of camera quality and things like that. It it might be two steps forward, one step backward in some cases, but you know they they are definitely better. And so far, in in the videos and the pictures I've taken with the S twenty three, it's better. But I think for the most part, it's the people that are coming from like an S nine mm-hmm. to this that are going to be like, "Holy crap!" You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So I want to talk about the phones in a second, but I just want to deviate. Um, because I think my two favorite moments from the entire presentation were <laughs> when the present when the when the woman on the stage was like, uh, "Jif, Jif," <laughs> like our entire group chat was like, "Did she just say Jif? Isn't it GIF?" And then Nick, you had to go and be all violent and be like, "No, it's actually Jif." But anyways, I love that. And then. Um, when they brought on the two executives, one from Qualcomm and Google, and then Michael goes, Android Avengers crossover event. That's right. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. That was good. Anyways, okay. And then the subsequent memes of, uh, you know, the, the two dudes hugging and the one standing in the back like, oh, somebody, <laughs> somebody got shunned. Oh. S- uh, somebody I talked with uh, when they had a, a mono and everybody up on stage at one time, those are the three people responsible for the new breed of the industrial military complex. Uh, oh, Samsung, Google, and Qualcomm make industrial killing machines. Oh my god! <laughs> they didn't bring that up in the presentation. No, they didn't. They, uh, they, maybe they, they definitely didn't. No. <laughs> We we need to have Andrew update his editorial about uh, what Samsung didn't announce and throw that one in there. And they didn't announce the tank buster 
missile That's launchers right. that they made. <laughs> My quick thoughts for about the presentation was I wish they had done it more like the Pixel event last fall, which was boring but very informative. I mean, <laughs> honestly, can we remember if we didn't have all the spec sheets in front of us when the presentation happened? Did they say anything about what was new about these phones that actually stuck in your mind during the presentation? I don't there think were a so. lot of behind yeah. the scenes talks I had with different Samsung executives in the last few days that gave me some interesting thoughts about how the cameras and performance have changed, but they didn't bring any of that up in the yeah. presentation. So yeah, why would anyone watch so that? And then you know what them? else they didn't say? The word Android. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't notice that. Oh, You're interesting. Right. Look no. at you. Yeah, what, One UI 5.1 or whatever wasn't yeah. brought up at all. Mm. Okay, Very well, that's food for thought. Um, okay, uh, phones. So obviously they launched the Galaxy S23, the baby. Um, they launched the Galaxy S23 Plus, and then they launched the Galaxy S23 Ultra. Um, the most expensive Ultra, it starts at $1,199, and the cheapest starts at $799. They're available for pre-order, obviously, February 1st, and then available Feb 17th. Um, yeah, you know, okay, let's get into the hands-on. So, Michael, obviously, you had the opportunity to go play with it. Um, there's, you know, as you mentioned in your headline, Samsung Galaxy S23 hands-on, more upgrades than, than meets the eye. You spoke with a bunch of executives who really kind of dived deep into those camera specs and really, like, talked about what the performance was like and the changes. So, um, what are your thoughts? Before I'll get into the under the surface stuff, yeah, the, the phones look identical. If you actually look at the size of them, at most, they might be a 0.5 millimeters difference kind of thing in the size. The only difference to the naked eye is that the camera sensors now don't have anything surrounding them, which, as Nick said in his S22 Ultra review, is going to mean they're dust magnets unless you have a case covering it, and even then it could still happen. But yeah, they look the same. Colors are pretty consistent. I mean, it's cream instead of white. It's, it's, you know, people had a problem with that. That word, really? cream. I like that word. <laughs> cream. <laughs> people are immature. People are <laughs> like weird, Nick. man. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, they they look the same, and there are really not that many differences, which is fine more for some phones than others. I'll talk about my annoyance with the plus later but yeah the what is most important behind the scenes is i spoke with wanjun Choi, who's the head of mobile r&d at samsung about throttling because that was a big issue with the s22 and you know remind us remind remind the audience what what you mean by that essentially you know with the snapdragon 8 gen 1 because of the overheating problems with that they had to really make the performance optimized for that chip for the most popular apps to make sure that the phone didn't have any overheating issues. Jerry might be able to speak better to this than me, but essentially they had to throttle using the game optimization engine or system in that phone. They had to seriously throttle a lot of apps and people found out about it and Samsung gave people the option to turn the throttling off, but it's on by default. And most Android phones do this, but it's just, you know, they talk so much about performance, but it turned out that the benchmarks were optimized in a way that didn't actually reflect in how the apps performed. Um, 
Did I get that right, Jerry? That sounds yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, one one thing I would add is you notice the throttling more on the Galaxy S twenty two because so much other stuff is going on. You know, when you've got a Motorola phone or a Pixel phone and you're playing a game, there's stuff going on in the background, but not much. Samsung, your phone does a lot more. So to do more, you need more processing time. So the throttling affected a lot of things compared to other phones. Right. And with the S23, you know, we have to test this for ourselves and see actually if this comes true because an executive is going to say, obviously, it's better. But he did explain the ways that it has improved. The hardware itself is just more efficient with the Gen 2 and so far, with what Harish has tested with it, that seems to be the case. It's more battery efficient. But the heat dissipation is supposed to be a lot better with this phone. And just in general, they have said that you're going to notice fewer instances where throttling needs to be applied. So we can hope that this phone is just better on that front. Um, we'll see if that's the case. We should be getting our, our review units pretty soon. And we'll have to see if that's the case with the smaller phones as well as the Ultra, which has the four extra gigabytes of RAM. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the important thing, but you can't really test that in the hands-on. Um, the cameras, I got, you know, I, I took photos of the, the room they had us trapped in with security. So yeah, I, I couldn't take the photos with me to compare them. The, the S23 Ultra looked very impressive. I took it upstairs to a, they had a recreation of a nighttime street in Seoul. Oh, uh, cool. Test nighttime photography and the, the lighting was great. Um, you're supposed to be able to get really good exposure with less overexposure for nighttime shots. Like if you have full moon lighting, it just looks a lot better than it did with the S22 Ultra. Um, yeah, I, I can talk more, but I'd rather know what you all want to know about what I found out rather than just rambling. Um, <laughs> Well, I feel like Nick would have more questions because you are you are also going to be reviewing something, right, Nick? I have the Ultra, so I we could talk about the Ultra in a bit, but I I would definitely like to hear, um, as far as the design goes on the S twenty three and the Plus, since you yeah were on didn't reviewed. didn't people have an issue with that as well? Like they didn't like the design. Yeah did did you find are they exactly the same as last year's? Yes, they're still iPhones. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, I'm not being totally serious there, but yes, they have the same design with the, the flat edges, which makes it easier to grip, but maybe isn't the most comfortable compared to a more curved edge. I wonder if there's like a reason behind why companies don't veer away from design. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, they like they probably have designers that say, OK, this is what consumers like and stuff. But like. And here's my here's my biggest issue when when phones are released, like they they always say, oh, we have better AI, we have this and this and this, but then the phone looks exactly the same. And it's like, are people actually noticing the differences? Obviously, like people you and I, like you and I are going to notice the differences because we report on this, we write about this. Enthusiasts are going to notice it, but like average consumers they're not likely going to be able to notice these slight differences. And then when they see a phone that looks exactly the same as the previous years, like what, what is going to entice them to want to get a new phone? Do you know what I mean? Like, I just, that doesn't make sense to me. 
Well, that's probably why they got they changed the cameras to look like the Ultra because that's the most obvious way to say, "Look, I have the newest Samsung," is because it looks different on the back where you have the lack of camera housing or whatever you would call that. Now that's it's the same as like the iPhone 13 when they just changed it so it's more like you know triangular shape for the camera sensors or the Pixel 7. It's more metallic on the camera bar. That's you know, there's no dip. The only reason they do that is to differentiate so that people say, look, mine's newer. Um, and that is enough for some people. I, I think for me in this case, and this isn't a problem Android wide anymore. I think it used to be. But a lot of times companies like Samsung will just follow Apple's design lead. And, you know, obviously the S23 Ultra is the exception here. That's very clearly its own design language. I have my problems with it, but at least it looks unique. Nothing else really looks like an S23 Ultra or an S22 Ultra. Um, whereas the rest of them are like, well, like you said, it's it's an iPhone. I mean, honestly, with the exception of the the way the camera lenses look, what's your real differentiator? The notch? The, what do we call it? Dynamic island? Hmm. <laughs> I mean... I I guess it's fine. I just, I wonder why is it that it always seems like these kinds of manufacturers follow whatever Apple does? It doesn't matter what it, what the design is. Because Apple is successful and knows what it's doing. Okay. Everybody that's listening, you don't need to send in an email saying that Apple didn't invent the black slab phone. We know that. Yes, they're wrong. Let them continue to say that this is an Apple design and that LG or Motorola didn't do it first. Continue. Of of course, it's it's not saying that Apple invented the design, right? It's saying that okay, every few generations of iPhones they change the design, right? You had the original iPhone to the iPhone four. A lot of phones look like the iPhone four all of a sudden, and then you had the iPhone six, which was ugly as heck. Yet all the Android manufacturers copied it. I shouldn't say all, but a lot, a lot did. A lot started just looking like metal. You know, whatever you want to describe that one as. And then we got into iPhone 8, iPhone 10 kind of area where it's back to glass. And guess what? Here we are back to glass. And the the excuse was, oh, well, it works better for wireless charging, which we know is crap, but whatever. I, I, I don't, it's just, I, I think that part is what drives me crazy. It's, I think it's not. It's, I think it's because, and I, I fully, like, I can... I can sense your frustration with that, but like, I I think the reason behind it is because when you look at the Android ecosystem, there are so many phones that are competing with one another and they all talk. They're all, all about talk. It's like, Oh, look at our phone. Look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. But then when you look at Apple, there is really no other com- like phone that's competing with Apple except Android. Does that make sense? And so Apple almost has like, an advantage in its own space because they're not really competing with anyone that's iOS. It's just Apple and they can do whatever they want and they don't really talk. They don't say anything. They don't make a hullabaloo of, of, of anything that they do. In, instead, they actually do a 180 and they're like, oh, we invented this, but really Android did. And they don't, they don't admit to it, right? It's like perfect marketing tactic and they know exactly what they're doing and it rattles everyone in the Android community. I mean, they, they know exactly what they're doing and it's, it's smart, you know? Yeah. I, I think I just miss the days when major manufacturers 
made more interesting looking phones. Like I, yeah. especially when we had like curved backs, uh, you could pick leather or wood on your phone. Like, I don't oh, really yeah. care how practical those things are. I liked that. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about, uh, something that Qualcomm did, um, because that news sort of leaked, but well, I guess it kind of leaked to the public, um, but it officially launched the day of the announcement. So Harish, uh, one of our writers, wrote a fantastic article titled, titled Bye Bye Exynos. Galaxy S23 series uses the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 globally, and it's a win-win for Qualcomm and Samsung. Um, yeah, I mean, like, obviously, this was like a big deal for Samsung, uh, moving away from Exynos, you know, working with Qualcomm more. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, this this strengthens Qualcomm's monopoly. This is a bad, bad thing. You can afford to wait a fraction of a second longer for an app to load on your phone to have a stronger competitive ecosystem when it comes to uh, small ARM chips. But instead, you complained and complained, and now Samsung basically has given up. They're reinventing how they're, Exynos chips are going to be manufactured and just fed into the Qualcomm machine. That's not a good thing. Well, we didn't complain. I'm assuming people no, in Europe uh, did because they yeah, dealt with right. Exynos for years. And, right. Everybody uh, was so worried that there might be a phone somewhere that's just a tiny bit better. And people were very vocal about it. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not saying you're wrong to complain. I'm just saying that the complaints did not give the great result. The The best result would have been Samsung to buckle down and make their chips better. Instead, they just threw up their hands and decided to buy them from Qualcomm, which sucks. My thoughts on that specifically, I yes, the Exynos versions for a long time were always kind of the black sheep, right? When... Somebody would ask you online what version you got. The answer was always hoping to be, don't tell me it's the Exynos version. Nobody wants that version, right? Like that, I feel like that was the general gist of, of people's conversations when they're talking about which model you got for Samsung phones in any given year. Um, but on the flip side, uh, I think it was last year, beginning of last year, Samsung announced a new partnership with AMD, which didn't seem like it really has done much yet. Although the rumors are that they're still working on effectively completely reinventing Exynos, right? Um, and I think in some spaces they've been successful with making a good processor that people want. Um, I, I wrote about this last week, maybe the week before, um, but specifically regarding wearable Exynos processors, they're just a lot better, right, than than Qualcomm stuff. And I think it's flipped on, on that part where I would rather see Exynos processors in all of our wearables right now because from what I can tell, Qualcomm's smartwatch processors suck. And it's it's not even just like, you know, a fraction of a second or something like that longer. Like a lot of functions don't work very well on smartwatches that have Qualcomm processors in them. Uh, also, a lot of industrial equipment, if it doesn't need real-time processing, you won't find anything but an Exynos chip. 
in things like a, you know, an electronic scale or, 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 you know, small industrial robots. They all run on Exynos. It's, it's fascinating. Um, and then I know, I guess going back to phones, I've now tested two different phones with the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. And so far in both of them, it is 100% improvement over the 8 Gen 1. Especially when you're doing stuff like Genshin Impact, Fortnite, anything that you know really pushes the visuals for a phone game. You don't. We're not getting the throttling we got last year. Like last year, when when you would first start a game, it would run better. So Fortnite, for instance, on the Snapdragon Triple Eight, which was the twenty twenty one chipset, that would run at like 35, 40 frames a second, and last year's would start off at like fifty. Okay, so really nice improvement. And then. After 15, 20 minutes, you're down to 30 frames a second. Oh, my God. And it's worse performance than, than the processor from the previous year. Whereas this year, it starts off at 60. And after an hour and a half of me playing, it was still at 60. Oh, wow. So, That's impressive. Yes. But so, let's not jump Samsung's throat for that. That was a Qualcomm problem. No, no, that was 100% a Qualcomm yeah. problem. Yeah, that's what I'm. That, that's why I didn't say Samsung. I'm talking Snapdragon. Like, the 8 Gen 1... I hate to call it garbage because that's really not fair to the engineers that made it. But if we're just comparing CPUs, it was not a good release. <laughs> you had to cool the 8 Gen 1. I used yeah. a, a phone with, that had a, a fan built in on the 8 Gen 1. And it was, it was uh, you know, as good as a laptop from five years ago. Sure. And, and that's why I don't want to call it garbage because it's really not fair to the engineers. But when it's in a phone, it's. Right, it's, it's not hard great. To cool it. Whereas this year, it's it's a so far substantial improvement, and that makes me really happy because, also because, the the newer XR chipsets are going to be based off of this one, which is a really really good thing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it it makes sense that that's a yeah that's a good thing. Um, I'm going to jump in quickly uh, because just based off of what I heard in my gaming and performance briefing, so. Nick has been using a different phone. He hasn't been testing the gaming on the S23 series yet. And the difference with that is we know it has a special overclocked variant. We, we asked them, you know, what that means. Why does that matter? And they just kind of dodged the question of it. That it's unclear what exactly is the difference. I mean, you're going to just get a slight, maybe just a slightly better clocking performance compared to the rest of the flagships out there this year, uh, at least until the, Gen 2 Plus comes out, but yes, it'll, it might be slightly better, but it's going to probably be quite similar. And in terms of what they did specifically, you know, this is, this might just be marketing speak. I'm just going to throw it at you and you can decide for yourselves how true this is. But they essentially said that they, they, there's a GPU improvement, which we know about already. They are Arduino 760. Uh, and then they worked closely with gaming partners to optimize the software and that they improve their unique system performance layer algorithm. Sounds to just, a lot of marketing. I mean, just basically to focus on what, you know, better optimize resources, what Jerry was talking about earlier. Samsung's doing more behind the scenes and doing a better job of focusing the resources on gaming in that moment. Is any of that true? We'll find out. But it makes sense. You, you slightly overclock clock the chip. Uh, you can do more things in a second 
Samsung phones do a lot more than most other phones. Uh, people love their phones to do a lot more. Now a Samsung phone is going to be just as fast as one of these gaming phones with stripped down software. Well, I also, I, I also, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about this. Well, with respect to the gaming, because I know Michael's going to be writing an editorial about it, and I don't want to ruin it for everyone. <laughs> sure, but but sure one last point. One, one last point about what Michael was saying as far as gaming goes. A game like Fortnite again. If you have a phone that isn't quote officially supported by Fortnite, you'll start the game. It'll tell you that. And guess what? You can't run it higher than 60 frames a second or maybe 90 frames a second. It doesn't matter what your display is. And I have phones here that have 120 hertz displays and I can't run it at 120 hertz because it's not supported. So if Samsung worked with those companies to get that support day one. They did it for a reason. Right. And and people are going to start at the game and they're going to go, oh, oh, this runs at 120, whereas my old phone could only do 60 or whatever. So even if it's not, quote, better performance. By doing that, you're giving people the perception of it being better. 100%. 100%. Okay. I want to talk about uh, one last thing about Samsung. Well, no, it's not one last thing because we do have two more things. But before we take a break, I want to talk about uh, Michael's editorial. Um, It's titled Samsung Galaxy S23 Plus Strategy is the iPhone 14 Plus all over again. Um. Yeah, I mean, it was a fantastic article, and you obviously have a lot of qualms about this whole strategy. So, Michael, why don't you take it away? Tell us why you're so flustered and irritated. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty straightforward, honestly. The S23 Plus looks like a great phone 90% of ways. I really like the S22 Plus, which I reviewed. It struck a really good balance because I personally don't like ultra-sized phones. They're just too big and uncomfortable for me. I think some people are, are enthusiasts are fine with it and they want the S10. I want something I can hold that is just, it's comfortable for being on the go as well as being good for at-home gaming or whatever. Um, and the S23 Plus, you know, the battery's slightly better. There are a couple other small improvements. But the one thing they didn't improve is memory. It's still eight gigs. And that may be fine. I'm going to find out because I'll be testing the phone myself. You know, the HN2 might do enough that you don't even need more memory to do good gaming and everything else you need for daily use. But the fact is, if you look at other phones made by other Android brands, most of them these days are jumping up to 12 gigs in this price range. You know, phones in the $900,000 range are giving you 12 gigs and sometimes QHD versus the full HD, which I think, I mean, honestly, the, the display still looks pretty great. I don't think you need QHD for phones as much as I think you deserve needing more memory. Um, but Samsung is prioritizing, you know, battery and, and price and other intangibles. And these other phones probably aren't as good in terms of software. So I'm not going to say that this is proof that other phones are better. Uh, it's the Samsung experience for Android is pretty darn great. But yeah, it, I'm going to have to see if they made a mistake in doing that because if you're spending $1,000 on a phone and only getting eight gigs, that doesn't seem like enough to me. And when they were asked about it, they, you know, the, the question is essentially, why do they still make the plus? Is it just there because they want to have three phones and they, they answered saying they don't make three phones just for the sake of making three. 
they said that they have a sufficient user base that has a specific set of needs that doesn't that just includes wanting a larger screen and a bet you know slightly better storage slightly better battery than you get with the small one-handed s23 and that's it and that's all they need and they don't care about extra memory in their minds well that, whether that or not was... that's true like again you know what here's the thing and i i get what you're saying but i i remember writing an article and i'm trying to find it right now um a while ago it was sometime last year and it was essentially this very exact issue um it was i can't remember which phone it was whether it was um a samsung phone or if it was the pixel but oh here we go okay samsung might launch the s22 ultra with less ram but that's okay and i remember writing this and like it's to that point where, you know, people don't necessarily care about having that much RAM in their phone as opposed to caring about other things like battery life and camera. And I remember at the time, you know, I got some interesting commentary from people like Michelle, who was saying like, you know, consumers are willing to spend that much more money, but they don't really expect much from RAM. So... Maybe that's like a personal preference thing for you, Michael. I don't know. Mm. Do you know what I mean? M Michael, tell me why you need more than eight gigs of RAM. What have you personally noticed that you don't think would be a problem if you had more RAM? Well, I mean, for me, it's mainly about gaming and, and cameras. I, I do think that you're going to get less lag and better processing for camera quality. And which, you know, which maybe cons regular consumers don't necessarily pay attention to. They don't realize that the, the, the memory matters for photography. Right. But you'll definitely get a, a, not a better picture, but you'll get it faster with more RAM. Which is a problem with Samsung phones that with their lag. Though they told me that there is zero sugar lag on Samsung <laughs> phones, by the way. Zero. So here's what Michal told me last year when I did write that article. He And I'm going to quote him. He said, the RAM capacity is not a figure that most consumers care about. And it's not a specification that will appear on most of the marketing material for the S22 series. Samsung will undoubtedly target as many different audience segments as possible. However, and... However, and mobile gamers are more likely to pay attention to the amount of RAM in a device. To those consumers, Samsung may choose to market this, its higher RAM stock keeping units and its RAM plus feature, which reserves space on the device's internal flash storage for additional swap space. So it kind of sounds like it's a you problem, Michael. <laughs> no, if, if, if he wants more RAM for the photo stream and the photo manipulation, that's a legitimate gripe. Uh, anybody else, if your game needs more than eight gigs of RAM, which is really about 6.5 that the phone can actually use, uh, you have to remember that almost everything gets suspended while a game is on your screen. So your phone gives 80% of the RAM to that game. Uh, that's a software problem for the people who wrote the game. I, I just get the feeling that people are stuck with the mindset from their laptop or their desktop that needs RAM, you know, windows and Mac OS, they need RAM. Uh, Android doesn't work the same way. It needs some RAM, but it goes about utilizing RAM completely different. I think yeah. it's also, it's again, like you were saying, Jerry, like, I think it also depends on 
who's using the who's using and, the, and the what device they use it for and what they're using it for exactly like if you are a gamer and you are a mobile gamer specifically then maybe that is something that you'll notice more versus someone who uses like you know my dad who simply uses whatsapp and his phone like phone calls like he doesn't do anything with his phone so it wouldn't make a difference to him yeah and it it's unfortunate that company a company like samsung has to throw more ram to make up for the shortcomings of people that are just cranking out games left and right and not optimizing them to work perfectly with Android. Right. Well, that, that makes sense. I just, I'll just throw in there. The, one of the things is just, I think Samsung needs a differentiator. I think the reason I brought up the iPhone 14 plus is that, you know, the, essentially the S23 plus is just a bigger S23. And some people will appreciate that and the fact that it has extra storage but there's nothing else for $200 extra. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, Yeah. people are maybe not going to buy it. And the S22 Plus was the lowest selling phone of the three. So even if there is a a sufficient user base, they say, I just think they need something to make it a little more attractive. Yeah. I I, I agree. I agree. A question, and and I'll probably forget, but I'll try to remind you when you get the, the Plus and review it. Get with Samsung. Does it have the slower storage like the small S23 does? No, I believe not because it starts with 256 gigs, which means you do get the 4.0. Okay. Well, that's a good thing. Because mm. that would probably make more difference than less RAM, to be honest. Mm. Let's take a quick break, guys. Uh, and we'll be right back. And there are so many more stories to talk about. We'll be right back. I just know that when I want to find someone and hire them for work, I want to make sure I'm finding the right perfect match. And that's why I like to turn to Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash ACP to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash ACP. Indeed.com slash ACP. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application. Pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, um, I want to very quickly, because I'm kind of tired of talking about Samsung, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I I do like this really fun article that Andrew wrote. Um, Andrew Myrick, who uh, comes on the podcast, but, you know, we kind of kicked him off this time because we wanted Michael here. Love you, Andrew. <laughs> but he Who wrote wouldn't an- want me here instead of Andrew? <laughs> I know. Um, so he wrote a, a fantastic article. It's called the Samsung, e- Sam- Bleh. the Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra is making my wife regret going to the iPhone. So uh, last year when the iPhone 14 Pro Max came out, uh, she, uh, I guess she upgraded, his wife upgraded the phone. And when the show was happening, 
Um, and I guess they were talking about the camera and it was really cool. Uh, his wife, apparently I'm reading from his article passed by me and said, that camera sounds amazing. And then I think she now wants to switch over, which is really, that's like, that's a big deal. Like, uh, you know, obviously we always talk about like people switching over from like Android to iPhone or iPhone to Android, but like, that's pretty good marketing for someone to who just got an iPhone 13 or iPhone 14 Pro Max to say, I want to switch over. That's a that's really good marketing, if I would say so myself. What do you guys think? I feel bad for Andrew's wife. <laughs> the, the, the the camera sounds a lot cooler, but I guarantee the camera on her iPhone is more than good enough and she's completely happy with it. She just got sucker punched by Samsung's big fancy words. Yeah. And I feel like that would be the case with a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. that's why Samsung uses those and not just Samsung. I am not picking on Samsung today, guys. They're just the company that happened to have know, a be the uh, week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Google company does of the it. week. Apple does it. Everybody, you know, I'm not going to say everybody because I don't think Motorola talks about how great the cameras are, just that they're good and take beautiful pictures and then they're done. But uh, oh, well, Samsung spent 28 minutes. The first 28 minutes were all, uh, all about the S23 Ultra's camera. They didn't mention anything else. That was that, That's done on purpose. That's why Google spends so much time on the camera. That's why Apple spends so much time talking about a camera to try to convince you that it's significantly better and you really need it. So your TikToks and Instagram pictures of food look better. Marketing, I tell you. Marketing. <laughs> Anyone have any other thoughts on this before we stop talking about Samsung? Because I'm really tired of talking about Samsung, guys. No, nah, I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So obviously switching gears, let's talk about what Jerry wrote last week. Um, Freaking love what you write, Jerry. So fun. Uh, his article's titled, Apple's Search Would Be Google's Get Out of Jail Free Card. So obviously there's been a lot of chatter about art, the use of artificial intelligence, you know, with my, Microsoft investing in OpenAI's ChatGPT um, and what that could be mean for Bing and competition for Google Search. And I guess... You know, there's there's rumors potentially that Apple would create Apple Search, which is something, you know, I'm surprised they haven't done that yet. Well, a Apple's been buying up companies that would make. Right. You know, be useful for a search engine since 2013. Right. So what made you think that this is Apple or rather Google's get out of jail free card? Because Google holds a de facto monopoly in search. And if Apple creates their own search and it becomes the default on now it's 2 billion iOS devices. Google no longer has 90% of the mobile search market. They have, you know, 75%. But when you say uh, get out of jail free card, do you mean it's with like regulators? That's what I was going to say. It's with regulators. Yes, right? because okay. they're, they're very heavy handed with Google because they need to be because there's nobody else. Uh, uh, Apple search is an instant overnight somebody else and Google can just point the finger and say, well, Apple does it or there's the competition, you know, this, that, and the other. Whereas before, you know, like right now without Apple search being the default on every iPhone, 
they can't do that. They have to try to find excuses and talk about how, you know, they do this, that, and the other thing to make sure everything's fair and regulators aren't buying it. And most of the time the regulators are right. Google is concerned about Google. That's the way a company works. Uh, this is good for competition and, and bad for competition at the same time. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question. So yeah, it would be great for Google to get out, you know, get their get out of jail free card, whatever. But I feel like it would also be really bad for them and their company. You know, obviously like they love, they, their, their entire business model is based on search and ads. Right. And so if something like this were to happen, it would jeopardize that side of their business. And this would actually be really bad for them. In the long term, Yes. Uh, I, really want to believe that Google is already preparing for what are we going to do once Apple search becomes popular and good enough that people want to keep it as their default. Do you think that they're actually thinking about that though? I, I hope so. I, I, for search. Yeah. I think they worry about search. The other stuff they may, you know, play. Well, I, yeah, actually, you know what, actually you're, you are right. I, I think they are kind of, they take that very seriously because I was listening to their earnings call Yesterday, Apple, uh, rather not Apple, um, Google Alpha, Alphabet is their parent company, as we know. They had their earnings call yesterday, and like the ma- pretty much the majority of the call was around artificial intelligence and what that means for search, and you know what their competition is doing. And oh, it's yeah. very clear that Google is worried. It's very clear. Well, I, worried, but also nobody is happier than Google. Now that Microsoft's incorporating AI stronger into products because Google has had AI that's as good or better. For and a very long time. For a, yes. And they, yeah. uh, Google search is powered by AI. I mean, it's, it's Google is, you know, a big AI company. Mm-hmm. Now that somebody else is doing it, they can just, you know, pump it in there and try to get away with more. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as far as Apple, I, th- I think what what would probably happen is people buy the iPhone 18 whenever there's, you know, Apple search is a thing. They'll use it and it'll be like maps. It won't be as good as what they're used to. They'll get online and see how to go back to Google. They'll go back to Google as the default. But in the meantime, Apple search is going to continue to get better. Mm-hmm. The first thing people do when they buy an iPhone is no longer get rid of Apple maps and stick it in that folder in on the second screen and then download Google maps. Cause you don't have to anymore. Yeah. But you know, the, the other thing I was like, as you were saying that it, it's not just Apple maps though. It's also like Apple music. Like when Apple music first came out, like who, like I, st- it's been around for a while, but like people still gravitate to Spotify. They still gravitate to other services because they don't think it's as great. Like, do you really think that Apple search is going to get, popular enough or good enough to become popular. Maybe Mm. I I have to assume that Google is preparing for that day. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have to the off chance that it happens. Personally, I think yes, it would happen because nobody wants to admit it, but Apple tracks your every move just like Google does. They just don't do anything with it because they've never had a reason to do anything with it. Apple search gives them a reason to do something with all that data they collect about you. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's take a quick break. I want to talk about a few more things and then get to my favorite topic, which you all know what it is. I'm not going to say it. Think about it. Okay, see you guys in a second. You're trying to find a cause for your symptoms, whatever it may be. Maybe you've been having a headache for a really long time in one spot of your head and you stumble down a TikTok rabbit hole full of questionable advice from so-called experts. And let me tell you something, I've been there. Don't use social media to try and find what is wrong with you. There are better ways to get the answers you want and the care you deserve from trusted professionals and not random people on the internet. ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care you need and deliver the type of experience that you want and you should be getting. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient reviewed. Take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. Go to ZocDoc.com slash ACP and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com, Z-O-C-D-O-C slash A-C-P, ZocDoc.com slash A-C-P. Okay, um, so let's get on to, <laughs> oh, the nothing phone. <laughs> let's talk about this. Let's talk about the nothing phone. Okay, so Nick wrote an article that said, um, that's titled, The Nothing Phone 2 Doesn't Need a U.S. Release. Um, yeah, so nothing came out and said that they're, they did an exclusive interview, I guess, um, talking about their, the, the next iteration of their phone. Ugh, I don't know. Like, I, I sometimes feel like, you know, obviously I, I don't want to shit on nothing phone, but I sometimes feel like they're just trying really hard to be relevant when like, what is their goal with their phone? Like, I really don't get it. Um, but anyways, you know, I, I put in the article that in their announcement, uh, which was an interview, he said that the phone basically made them enough to now make a better second one. So, you know, I don't I don't know what the numbers mean. I don't know how much they actually made off of it, but that certainly seems positive. And there's I would say no if it was an utter made, failure, but there's no way they made a profit on that phone. I, that's what the interview suggested. Well, maybe they didn't lose as much money as they expected. Yeah, that, that's, I, I, that's I'd have enough. to look up. That was what enough the for wording Google. was exactly. Yeah, I mean, Google lost money in the first three pixels, and and also like the phone is valued at two ninety nine, and also it didn't make it into the U.S. market like entirely like so how did they make a profit on truly like i don't get it <laughs> like and, and do you know that if they had made a u.s and canadian version and sold that for 2.99 even unlocked i believe they would have doubled their sales yeah probably if they did that yeah i could see that happening but i just don't right so he said that they made 
almost 10 times the revenue in 2022 that compared truly, to 2021. Like that, that boggles my mind. Like what? But what did they make in 2021? A pair of earbuds. Okay, so they sold a phone that generated 10 times more cash sure. than a pair of earbuds. Right. And that phone probably cost 20 times more than the pair of earbuds. Right. You know, they're just, man, corporations are weasels when it comes to talking. Yeah, like literally, right. how are you making more money than a, like, it, that doesn't even make sense. So he, he said they're excited about being in the U.S., or coming to the U.S., rather, because a third of their earbud sales came from the U.S. And of course, they're not just launched, they didn't just launch the earbuds in three countries, right? They launched them in a lot of countries. But what was it, like 40 countries? Is that what they said? It was a lot, and the Nothing phone was also in uh, 37 yeah. countries. What did I say in this article? They, <laughs> I, I said it in the article. Give them a hard time, but they did better than Google as far as a worldwide launch. Much better than Google. It just didn't include where we live. Yes, over 40, you're correct. So, uh, right. My point here is, all right, the U.S. market's fine. It's It's nice that they're going for the U.S. market. That was... Probably the biggest complaint I saw about the Nothing Phone in basically every review, right, was I live in the U.S. I am reviewing this thing. I can't use it everywhere because it only supports like one band on T-Mobile, right? (laughs) So (laughs) like when you have signal, it's fine. But there are several places where there was literally no signal because it just didn't support the bands. So, okay, whatever, it's coming over here. But my problem now is like, okay, they're they're saying that they're going to move into the more premium segment. I I think that's a mistake because that's exactly what OnePlus did. And look where OnePlus is right now. But okay, so I as you were speaking, this is something that I was thinking about. I, I think one of the only not one of the only, but one of the reasons why I think the phone did well in other markets is because of the unique way it looks. And I think a lot of people like and I mean, like norm, like average consumers, um, like and it goes back to like the whole Apple argument, like, you know, you have an Apple watch, you have Apple AirPods, Apple phone, like it's an ecosystem. It's unique. People are like, oh, it's I want that. I want to be part of that gang, you know, like whatever. And it's like you look at the nothing phone and it kind of I'm not saying that it's like an ecosystem like the the iPhone or Apple, but I do think it it kind of creates that same aura of like, look at this really cool phone that has these like beam lights that look really cool. And like, you know, it's like it's it's a conversation piece at a party. Like you go to a party and people are like, oh, my God, look at your phone. It's so cool <laughs> you go to some horrible boring parties <laughs> yeah i do <laughs> well, but but also the price to performance ratio on this phone is really good like it's 100 120 hertz display yeah i think so i think it's 120 hertz it's fast it's way faster than 60 right the camera at this point is actually pretty darn good it wasn't at launch but they've mostly fixed those issues right it's not a pixel camera but really nothing is right of course and for me, it's like, okay, this thing's available in over 40 countries. The only other phone I would really, truly recommend at a 400 to $450 price range is the Pixel 6a, which is available in 12 countries. So if you're not in one of those 12 countries, then I would probably just tell you to go buy a nothing phone. I'm, I'm going to come right out and say it. My complaint about the phone is that I couldn't buy one and use it. 
I mean, I could have bought one, or now you can even buy one as part of their stupid beta tester. Dumbs, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, guys. I, yeah. We, we already buy one unlocked from eBay instead. Podcast, you, anyway, <laughs> but uh, it what it is Snapdragon seven seventy eight. Uh, yeah, you know it was it was a fine phone. Yeah, I've, it really is. I'm trying to break my addiction to technology, so you know I don't need and and will no longer recommend anybody buy a twelve hundred dollar phone. Uh, you buy a phone, the the cheapest phone that fits your needs. That would have fit my needs. I could have used it for the next couple three years, and it was only four hundred and fifty bucks. That sounds perfect for Jerry, and I couldn't buy one. Right, and you know if they were going to do this and launch another phone in the same segment, I think that they would see success because I think this is the winning segment, especially for a small brand like nothing. Yes. Get even, even one plus one plus is still a small brand. I don't really care how much, you know, head knowledge people have about the brand, how much recognition it has. People don't buy one plus phones in huge quantities. They buy Samsung or Apple phones. Absolutely. I think if nothing comes here, it needs to be another mid-range phone. If they really want to go out on a limb and have another premium model, whatever. But it needs to be a mid-range phone. But also, like, how successful are mid-range phones? Like, Very. Yeah, extremely <laughs> successful. Are they more extremely successful, successful than, like, um, low, low and premium? Yes. Really? The, the premium market is, I think, at, at the exception of the iPhone, the premium market is the smallest segment. Oh, I'm pretty sure the iPhone, I mean, their mid-range market is a two-year-old phone. There's a whole lot more of them than there are 14s. Interesting. Sure. I'm, I'm just talking like profit margins and things like that. Like I don't, you know, premium phones don't sell in huge quantities. And I don't think the profit margins of most of them are as massive as they are with some of these other phones. Maybe. I, I know a, a nothing phone like the, the, the one you can buy now, the nothing phone one. Released two or three of those in a country like the United States and Canada. Get people to, you know, enough people will think that I got a really good deal for my money. Then the next time they buy a phone, if the nothing phone has a, you know, a little bit more premium model, that's the people who are going to buy it. Nobody's going to walk into a store or go on Amazon or wherever and see a $1,000 nothing phone beside a $1,000 iPhone or a $1,000 Galaxy phone and pick the nothing phone. Correct. And, and I think if you would hand most people a nothing phone, don't tell them anything about it, don't tell them the price, have them use it, and then ask them what they think it costs. I feel like I can guarantee that they would tell you this probably costs as much as an iPhone or a Galaxy. Oh Probably. my God, that's that's pretty. I mean, that's smart though. That means that Jimmy Kimmel should do that. Literally, nothing about the phone feels like a mid-range phone. Nothing, except maybe the camera performance. And even then, I would wager to say it's fine enough for most people's use. Carl Pay needs to get with Jimmy Kimmel. Have Jimmy Kimmel go out on the street in New York, hand people that phone, and ask them what they think it costs. Why should Why should yep. Carl Pay do that? Nick, do it for our YouTube channel. Go and like. Go to your- well, I just want to cut of the money. Oh, I don't want to YouTube videos anymore. <laughs> That's the okay. problem. Okay, let's let's move on because right, Carl, Carl Pay obviously knows what he's doing. And but this maybe- is the most interesting thing that happened all week. 
<laughs> okay, was it interesting? Maybe, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I think our conversation about it's more interesting than the actual event. Yeah, okay, I was going to say, I was going to say, but... Um, no, actually, that'd be really interesting if if Jimmy Kimmel did it. Like Carl Pay, if you're listening, you should get in touch with uh, Jimmy Kimmel's team and and do this. <laughs> and yeah. remember our cut. Yeah, remember our cut. Wet our beaks just a little. This was our idea. <laughs> <laughs> TM TM TM. Right. Yeah, okay. Uh, so uh, I want to switch gears and talk about Meta. Um, so yeah, obviously Meta, you know, did um, their earnings, and then they they're calling 2023. It's year of efficiency. Um, and this kind of also comes in line with a lot of news that was surrounding um, the Oculus Quest games. And I know, Nick, you wrote an article about this. So the next two topics are final two topics. I kind of want to talk hand in hand, you know, because they kind of go hand in hand, obviously. Nick, you wrote an article. Your favorite Oculus Quest games are getting canceled. Here's why. So why don't you walk us through this? What are your thoughts here? All right, so we've seen a lot of games recently drop Quest 1 support. Uh, there aren't a whole lot of Quest 1s out there relatively, but you know, the people who have them are upset because all of a sudden games that used to work on their headsets no longer work. Um, this is a problem with any online game. When you get an update to an online game, it always changes something, whether it's the game itself, support for older products, whatever. It's kind of part of the evolving digital world that we live in now, right? You you have to keep up with technology in some way, shape, or form. And in a lot of ways, this is showing that Meta is now fully moving into Quest 3 development. Um, we know it's coming out later this year. Zuckerberg once again reiterated that at the earnings call uh, two days ago. <laughs> I'm like, what? What day was it? Yes, what two day, days ago. Wait, time doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I don't, whatever. Busy week. In any case, this week he reconfirmed once again. It's coming out the end of this year. Probably October, November, I would guess, based on previous timelines. Um, and so I think when that comes out, we're going to see a lot of games with big updates, a lot of new games to showcase the potential of that hardware. So that that to me, is more of a good thing than a bad thing. Again, especially because there are not that many quests out there anymore. Quest 2 is 20 times as popular as the original ever was, right? I mean, literally, the numbers are that 20 makes times sense, sales. That, like, that, it, it obviously makes sense that they would be like getting rid of it if, if it's not right. as popular. Now, the thing that... Do, do you want me to go straight into this, or did you want to talk about meta earnings first? Well, I, I mean, there's... Okay, so if we look at the meta earnings, obviously, like... They did um, decent, uh, better than all of the other companies. Um, they were uh, better than what analysts expected. Uh, but the thing that I thought was most interesting was they did a shareholder buyback, which um, I, I mean, I don't think our readers necessarily care about all of this. But what what I what is really interesting about it is that when a company does a shareholder buyback, is be, it's because they are putting they're basically buying back their own shares to increase their share price, which is essentially a good thing for investors and shareholders. But it also signals one other thing, which means that instead of spending the money that they have on more operating expenses and spending it frivolously, they're being more selective on where they're going to be doing their spending. And again, this also goes in tandem with the 11,000 employees that they laid off last year 
to help streamline the business. And again, Mark Zuckerberg calling Meta 2023 the year of efficiency. And this is what I wanted to talk to you about, Nick, because obviously, you know, you cover Meta and Michael, too, if you want to jump in. You guys cover you know, VR from the meta side of things very extensively. And it's very clear that Zuckerberg wants to be very efficient in terms of where they're spending their money. And I don't really necessarily care about meta's earnings, but I care in terms of the VR development and Quest 3 development. And do you think that this is a smart move by by the company? Yes and no. So... Yes, because uh, I think new hardware is good. Um, in this case, launching next-gen Quest 3 in the same year that a PSVR 2 comes out is smart. Um, you're going to have people who don't want to buy older hardware because it's three years old. And especially at this state in the game, three years of hardware development is a, a literal gulf in experience. Like the headsets we're seeing coming out now are so much smaller and lighter and the lenses are way, way better. So we know from from those headsets plus what Zuckerberg and some other people have said that the newer one is going to be a significant step up from the Quest 2. So I, I think because of those hardware differences, yes, it's very important for them to, to come out with a new one this year and it's going to give more people a positive first impression and lasting impressions when that headset is more comfortable. Now, where I think they might be making a mistake is with Echo VR. So if you don't know what Echo VR is, it's a zero-G sports game, effectively, right? Okay. Uh, it's really, really cool, super unique. It doesn't make sense in anything but VR. It's just one of those where you play it and you go, oh my gosh, this is, yeah, okay, I get it. I understand VR if you didn't get it before. Meta is shutting down Echo VR as of August this year. And a lot of people were super upset about this. It has, from what everybody understood, a large and profitable player base. Um, it's a free-to-play game, but it has season passes. Uh, you can buy cosmetics. The usual free-to-play spiel, right? And in a lot of cases, especially when you have a decent player base, that's, that's pretty much a guaranteed moneymaker. You you know, Must drop a couple of skins. Enough money. Yeah, you drop a couple of skins or whatever. I mean, again, look at Fortnite. Like Fortnite's like the highest grossing game of all time. And it's because, hey, guess what? It's free to play. Everyone can download the thing on any device they own. And the skins are like 12 bucks a piece. So when a kid buys a skin for his birthday, well, <laughs> they made a lot of money, right? Oh, yeah. How many kid birthdays are there in the world? <laughs> right. And so this decision, though, this decision was weird because it came super last minute. Um, on the 31st, Meta announced that they would no longer be updating the game as of February 1st. So, you know, 24 hours. All of a sudden, this is like people's uh, tens of thousands of people's favorite game. And all of a sudden, it's no longer being updated in you know, one day. So that was like system shock for a lot of people. Um, and Meta was real hush about it. Like I asked the Ready at Dawn team if they would interview about it. And they said they're not doing any interviews whatsoever, which felt weird. I'm, I'm not sure what to say about that, but that was strange, right? Um, and because of all the, the pushback um, 
Andrew Bosworth. Sorry, I have to I have to ask. Wait, so they're shutting it down completely or they're they're they are shutting it down completely in August. So they're well, not updating it from now until okay. August. But but in August, is there a potential for it to reopen so it works for Quest 3, a potential Quest 3? It's it's shutting down completely, entirely. Oh my God, that is it's so weird. It's going away. Um, and this is the other thing that sucks about online games, right? Like if the servers are down, well, the game's gone yep. forever. Peace out. Nick, the CFO, her name's Susan Lee. She said uh, on Reality Labs, we still expect our full-year Reality Labs losses to increase in the first quarter of 2023. So they were losing money to keep it open, and that's why they're shutting it down. Yeah, that's real. So I don't want to get into Reality Labs right now because that's a whole another can of worms. I suppose we can get into it after this. Um, oh, yeah, it- because we're going to talk about their earnings. I'm not done. Oh. All right, cool. <laughs> then we'll get into it. So let okay, me, let we'll me sum this it. up because I'm rambling. And long story short, they are shutting down Echo because they were not making money off of it, <laughs> regardless of the fact that there were tens of thousands of people playing this game. OK, and the, the current CTO, Andrew, Bo- Andrew Bosworth, went on Reddit, did an AMA type of thing. And he said, you know, I'm kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because we have a lot of people on our platform that love this game, but it costs us money to keep it open. And I thought it was interesting because he said the previous CTO, John Carmack, would have kept it open regardless. And I okay, thought. So here, here's the other thing, too, though. The math is not mathing here. If if you're saying it's one of the most popular games and it's kind of like Fortnite where you buy skins and skins and whatever, where are they making losses? Like, why is it costing more money to run the game if they're making money from so many popular pl- players who find it popular? Probably infrastructure. I, yeah. Uh, he, okay. he specifically said uh, in this case, they have a lot of regulatory stuff that they have to keep up with that is costing them more money than it normally would if they didn't have to what do whatever is, what they What would a regulatory thing be? like? I, I don't know. This so, just came out this morning, so I haven't even had time. That's like it, so it happened weird. That's, right before the podcast. So I haven't had time to really read up on this. That's so strange, honestly. But that's the official, slightly more detailed response at this point, which is at least nice to have because it was just a straight up, clue mystery before yeah nick even if it's not anything worth writing an article let me know what you find yeah i'm curious what regulatory issues yeah i I want yeah i want to know what that means too like that's weird i'm gonna try to write about this that's the plan so that's the plan (laughs) I, i think the most important thing here is that vr gamers aside from the ones who just you know bought it to play beat saber and good for you you know it's a great game um, they pay attention to this stuff. The Quest 2 isn't, it's, it's two years old plus three months now, I think. Two years is not a long time for a VR console. I mean, for any console, gaming console rather. And if one of the most popular and well-known games on the platform is being shut down after two years because despite its popularity is not making enough money, that is going to make people leery about getting invested in online multiplayer VR games run by Meta because they don't know when it'll be just shut down at a moment's notice. That That is something that people are going to pay attention yeah, to compared yeah. to like Microsoft, which is only just now starting to shut down the Xbox 360 store, saying you can no longer buy Mass Effect 2 as of like in a few months and people were freaking out about that. I mean, if gamers freak out about something 
It's, well, you know, the, that that almost that almost indicates something even more fishy to me. Like, there's something going on here that doesn't seem right. Because again, as you were saying, Michael, like two years is not a long time. Like, it's no really short. So look how long people owned the PlayStation Three. Yeah, eleven years. Right. Yeah. Like this now, is meta is like cost cutting. It's their year of efficiency, which we can yes. transition into that. But like, they and that's are, what I wanted to transition they're into. They're going to focus onto the on the Quest Three, which makes sense for them because they need to sell those to prove that VR is still profitable for them. But in the meantime, the people that just bought the Quest Two and are seeing games shut down are going to be looking askance at that. And are they going to buy the Quest Three if they know these games are going to not last? That's the I question. wouldn't. I am that type of consumer, so I know exactly what you're saying, Michael. That would be my deciding factor. No, if I buy this, I want to be able to use it until it falls apart and they're not going to let me. And, and that's, that's the danger with digital-only stuff, right? And that's, that's the thing we kind of take a gamble on that. So the year of efficiency thing, right? Do we want to get into that real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. All right. Oh, God, yes. So Reality Labs, and I hate sites like Kotaku for this. I'm calling you out because you guys do this crap every time. <laughs> As soon as this comes out, you're like, oh, Meta's VR division lost $13 billion. Reality Labs doesn't just do VR, guys. Okay, they do a lot more. And if you paid any attention at all to anything Zuckerberg said, you would know that they spend at least 50% of that on AR. That's just AR. That doesn't include all the other stuff Reality Labs does. So if, if anything is a money sink, it's AR, which hasn't made Meta a dime in the last decade that they've been researching it. Whereas the VR division makes Meta close to a billion dollars every quarter. Now, you combine that with the losses, and obviously it's a net loss, but again, you can't... It's, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's so stupid to throw those all in the one boat just because somebody at Kotaku hates VR, and it drives me nuts when I see stuff like that. <laughs> oh, okay. It's not just Kotaku either, but I'll, <laughs> I'll pull them out because they did it two days ago. Okay. Well, you could have just said stopped it i hate kotaku yeah everybody would understand it's fine whatever in any case that that facebook literally cuts its company in half has a bucket of products in one half and a bucket in another so saying one bucket is the same as one of the products in the bucket is dumb that's my rant peace out (laughs) my my turn to rant the go go for it go for it means that Meta brought in almost $35 billion in four months, could afford to lose, what, $7 million on mixed reality, had a, a, a stock buyback that made the, the increase in Zuckerberg's wealth the largest single financial transaction in history, yet they still had to lay 11,000 people off. F you, Meta. I'll bet Zuckerberg tastes like veal if you're laid off. And <laughs> Woof! That's a that's a rant, all right. <laughs> Spicy, uh, Michael. Do you want to rant, or should we should we go on to my favorite part of the, the <laughs> podcast? <laughs> go for it, Michael. Yeah, I mean, every company right now is. is- doing this, they all went nuts during the initial part of the pandemic. Did a lot of hiring. And now are doing cutbacks to appease shareholders who don't like the idea of any losses or or going down. So despite the fact that they have been making a ton of profits, Meta did this, Google, everyone else. And, you know, Apple avoided layoffs because of Cook taking a pay cut. But honestly, if that hadn't done it, they would have laid people off. I'm not going to 
say like Apple is great. They just, they've maybe done slightly better than other companies at the moment. And so they don't need to do it, but they would. There is no morality or care about the employees. And that's going to cause tech talent to bleed out. You're going to see this. A lot of people move to my neck of the woods, the Bay Area, to work for these companies. And they're going to move away. Like, I mean, they're not going to stick around if the jobs are not there or they can't have the security that they need. Oh, Michael, putting it so eloquently and diplomatically. (laughs) But he's right. There are you know, almost an infinite number of tech jobs in places like Memphis working for FedEx and places that aren't nearly as expensive to live in. Uh, the pay base, for, you know, versus the cost of living in, in working for FedEx in Memphis is probably a lot better than it was working for Meta and living in, in the Bay Area. For sure. So people are going to, you know, leave. Things are going to be grim, guys. Grum, I mean grim. Get a little bit worse. <laughs> Things right. are going to be grim, not grum. I don't know what I'm saying. Okay, let's get to my favorite part of the podcast, and that is what made you happy this past week. Keep it short and quick, guys. Uh, I'll go first because mine just happened. Uh, I was outside right before this podcast, and I have a small family of we call them minks, but I think technically they're ermine. I, I'm not sure on North American mammals that live. <laughs> by where I have this wooden thing for my garbage bins and it's by the Creek and they, they live there and they pop their head out when they hear the door open because they like to root in the garbage. They've turned white. Oh, and it's so cool because normally you see them fluttering around mostly in the spring and they're, they're a very beautiful Brown, but they turn white in the winter. And even though all the snow is melted, they're white. And that was really cool to see. Oh, I love that, that. That actually made me happy. Oh, that's nice. I love that. Okay, who else wants to go? Yesterday, yesterday was Groundhog Day. No, God. <laughs> and Punxsutawney Phil said six more weeks of winter, which makes me hope that I'll get some bloody snow this year. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good crap. Hopefully we get. Hopefully you get more snow. Hopefully. Let's cross our fingers. Yeah, I just like at least, at least one good snow. Please, just, just one. That's all I ask. <laughs> so okay. I think that makes me happy. Michael, your turn. I'm I'm racking my brain. I haven't slept more than like four hours in a week and Blue is screaming for attention. I'll be happy. I'm happy the weekend's coming up. That's all I got. <laughs> simple. Hey, that's the simple. best one. We love it. We love it. Um, okay. And what, what made me happy this past week? Well, uh, you know, you all know I like reading books. Um, and I started a very short and sweet book called The Psalm for the Wild Built. It's about a tea monk. It's a, it's in a post, it's set in a post post apocalyptic era where everything is settled and robots have sentiency, um, and they have self awareness and they have roamed the world and whatever. And basically the story is about a tea monk who, um, meets a robot and they have an existential conversation about their purpose in the world. And it sounds weird, but it's, so beautifully written and it's I'm halfway through it I'm so in love with it and I would basically say it is the modern day version of The Alchemist if any of you have ever read The Alchemist which is also a stunning book um I would seconded I've read both of these novellas they're amazing Android Central Book Club after this yes yes yes. Becky Chambers is great and you should also read her sci-fi series um it's like a you know 
space opera, really fun have characters. Have to, have to read and, it, have to. Yeah. She is such a stunning writer. And also just on a complete side note, sorry, I, I, I'm, I'm rambling a bit, but the really, really cool thing about the song for the wild built is that the main character is non-binary. And this is the first time I've seen that style. Like, you know, the, the, the character goes by they, them, there. I've never seen that in, in, in a book. And to normalize that is really cool. Like it's so freaking cool to read. And yeah, just a beautiful, beautifully well-written book. And it, it's, um, giving me a lot of food for thought of my purpose in this world. <laughs> Can I ask a dumb question? For sure. Nothing. There's no dumb. There's no dumb question, by the way. Oh, you, you haven't heard all of my questions yet. But what is a tea monk? So a tea monk is essentially a monk who they're they basically perform the act of um, giving tea and listening to people's stories or if they're sad, happy, whatever it is. And all they okay. are to do is all they do is they just help people feel better. Now, is that a real thing in the real world or is that just something? for? The I'm book? not sure. I, th I, I, I had never heard the phrase before. I think it I, 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 would, I think it's a real thing. It sounds like a real thing. Um, it, it, yeah, it sounds like it should be. If it yeah, I, I think it's a real thing. But but the really cool thing about this particular character is he he sorry, they actually leave their monastery and um they don't they they're they're so tired of the monotonous day-to-day -day living in a city you know it's it's very modern it's, again like i said it's post post apocalyptic era um it's not your traditional type of monastery it's still got those classic feels to it but they basically leave the city to go into the wilderness and when you do that they're they, they become a tea monk and yeah, perform this act of service to people, which is really cool. But it, it, there's just so much more purpose in the book, uh, apart from what what they do, which is really cool to read. If there are any tea monks currently traveling the wilderness, stop by. I'll yeah, yeah, I would love I to. I got a lot of problems with talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note. Um, Wherever you're listening to us, Android Central listeners, thank you so much, whether it's the morning, afternoon or night. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for giving us time and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. See ya. Adios. Take care.